Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode number 60. Today, we're with Frank and Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey. And Frank, welcome back to the show. Hey, man. How are you? Good. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily and securely access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. Configuration is via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or YAML. So today we're going to talk about 0.103. We're going to talk about some stuff that Sonos is doing or has done. And and we're just going to kind of recap what's going on uh, with you, Frank. So (laughs) a couple of things. (laughs) <laughs> just a couple yeah just one or, one or two one, one or, or two. two maybe yeah, I don't know. yeah um frank it's been two years since we had you on the podcast which mm-hmm. is first of all that's crazy yeah uh and i think this is episode 60 it's our last episode for the year last uh, 103 is the last release of the year so it's a nice even number to to wrap things up on last time uh we had you on the podcast you hadn't even weren't even using home assistant so yeah that's, that's <laughs> gonna be it's could be a cool episode, I think. Well, things changed. So I've been using Home Assistant, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, two years. And, and it was the final episode back then as well. Yeah. Of the year. Yeah. So yeah. Like the same time. It's actually uh, two years ago. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. All right, Raham, we're going to do it again. Um, but this time I've come up with a new title for, for this segment. Um, there's a Star Wars movie out, so we're going to call it The Cloud Strikes Back this week. <laughs> So, yeah. uh, Sonos has, uh, and would you believe that our last episode came out November 20th uh, for the last release? That day, Sonos announced that they had bought uh, Snips, which is a popular voice control, local voice control product. So, yeah. basically, think of it as an alternative to the Google Home and the Amazon Echo, where you can just have Raspberry Pis and other systems around your house and microphones, and you'll be able to do voice commands for your home. So Sonos announced that they were purchasing that uh, project uh, for the purpose of bringing it into their Sonos speakers. I'm guessing they've got the Sonos One speaker, which is yeah, uh, which has assistance in it already. So they yeah quickly announced within a week that they will be closing down uh, the public access to the console of Snips, which basically is what you would need to use if you wanted to integrate it with Home Assistant. And yes. Catch you later, basically. Um, Frank, I'm going to be really interested to see what your thoughts on this are too. But Rohan, is it really that, like I said last time, it, it's that time of year, isn't it? Like everything's it, closing it, down. Yeah, it really is. Uh, this month and next month, let's see uh, Let's see what's going on. But yeah, I mean, again, we, we, we keep talking about this, right? And I'm not sure what the move is. I mean, I can I could see... That Sonos wants to take it, close source it, and and do it that way, and and internalize it to, into their products and keep it exclusive for themselves and say, hey, look, we have maybe we have the only privacy focused one or, or something like that. Uh, but I mean, as as we've talked about last episode, especially there are some other alternatives, right? So we've used we I mean, we've talked about Almond for an, as an example, and 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 Frank, I mean, I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on Almond is actually not a voice system, right? So um, we, we introduced a thing uh, during the State of the Union called ADA. ADA. Uh, mm. Depends a bit on where you are, how you pronounce it, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, actually, ADA is uh, is something that does uh, text to speech and speaks to text because that's the part that Alma doesn't have. Right. So ADA t- listens to your to the hard word, records the voice, transfers the voice into text, sends it to Alma, which processes it, and the response gets back to ADA, and ADA will do a text to speech again and play it back so that's that's the wrapper we added to almond in that case so uh, yeah. just almond won't do it you need ada for it uh, but ada is currently yeah that is currently being worked on it's like really early stage so is it perfect mm. absolutely not yet and, and, sure. and that's kind of cool actually uh, for example, since the state of the union and uh, between the state of the union and right now it's possible to plug ada into your own uh, speech to text integration so if, if, if you're not happy with, uh, for example, Azure Cloud or um, whatever you want to use, and you want to use a different integration that does the speech-to-text, yeah. text-to-speech, then that, that is now possible. So it's a really pluggable system, but it's really early stages at this point. Uh, but it's kind of it's working pretty okay, I guess. And the other alternative that actually comes closest to SNPs right now, I think it would be Raspi. Yeah, it's just it's it's unfortunate because I know there are people out there that do use uh, snips, and especially people uh, that may have invested in it as well. You know, buying all the hardware, all the satellite yeah. servers to run around the house for it. So it's quite yeah. frustrating. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I, I could see I could see why, you know, the point of frustration there, right? So yeah, and to be honest, I I, I don't think Sonos will be like making this ever like uh, like privacy aware. Um, Sonos has a bad track record if it goes on privacy. It's an amazing system, and it's probably one of the they support the hardware really well. So it's it's a really mm. they make really decent quality hardware. So let's be honest, it's a, a, a freaking nice thing to go to. But yeah. yeah, they're not found on privacy. It's not all local, and they see a lot. You can log in into Sonos and see your your listening stats. Like, yeah, they know. Right. So I'm not sure how the SNPs would like integrate like privacy aware in their system. I don't Interesting. Know. Yeah. I guess I guess time will tell. Time uh, will tell, definitely. They, yeah, they there's st- still a recent very fresh acquisition for them, I think. So so anyways, on to a little more <laughs> uh hopefully a little more positive stuff. So let's let's talk about uh zero point one oh three. So some new stuff coming in. Uh First and foremost, I was, I was actually looking at that. I didn't get a chance to play with it yet, but I looked at it last night. Is uh, the automation editor, uh, which now supports YAML. Amazing. This is this is huge. Yeah, I, I see a yeah. huge smile on your face, Frank. So. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Bram did an amazing job there. I, I've been looking forward to this one. It's yeah, just really cool. I think moving all JSON out of like the developer tools and the whole front end, like removing JSON, is a big move in the right direction i think yes yaml yeah. is still technically json in a way but it's still it's much more user-friendly yeah. yeah it's it's easier to read easier to like i don't know at least in my brain it's it a little more not structured because i think i think json is structured and i think that's the problem with it i think it's a little too structured whereas yaml you know just overall it's easier what most people do not realize is that uh, JSON is actually compatible with JAML. Yeah. So if you have like mm-hmm. the JAML fields, uh, which are not all JAML, and some people actually was like, okay, but now I have to do JAML. No, you don't have to. You can just put in JSON because JSON is JAML compatible. So yeah. if you see any field that does JAML now, put in JSON and it will work just as before. 
Yeah, so which is which is awesome. So you you, you kind of have both choices, right? Yeah. So which is uh, which is pretty sweet, I think. Yeah, 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 absolutely nice. But what I really like about the automation editor is the the fact that we now can like you can can define the automation with um uh, with, with with your trigger and your conditions and your action, and you can just do the action just the last bit. You can just jumble that piece and then. All the other pieces you can just select and still use the UI. So select you can from the drop down boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome because now you got the best of both worlds. Right? Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's and also, fantastic. I don't know if you guys saw, but you can also just type in, you know, like turn on the lights when I get home and it will try and pre fill all that now. Like I play with that for the first time in this release and I was like, yeah, that's. That's awesome. Like yeah. that alone will be really cool for, you know, someone starting out like, all right, well, how do I put the automation in, right? Like just type it in, just tell it what you want it to do and it will try and do the rest for you. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another cool thing to come in this release and I think we touched on it in the state of union, but I think it's just got a bit more polish in this release is you can um, now create snapshots of scenes through uh, the home assistant uh, services. So if you have your home set up, maybe you've got uh, some lights that you want to create a scene from, you can actually now use the scene create service and specify the entities that you want to be captured in part of this scene and then just call a service and home assistant will just see what their state is and save it as a scene. Done. No going into the files or anything like that. Really cool. Yeah, so it's almost like having a macro to to say okay capture this and then use that right I, I again I I I think I think we talked about this one a little bit maybe it was offline I don't remember but mm. you know to me to me this is a this is a good one where again when I was setting up something simple like my like I have a scene called Good Evening which is I mean when it's you know turn on all the lights blah 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 and you know all the lights all the time hundred percent gets a little bright in this house. So, yeah. especially for for nighttime. So, you know, I had like some lights at 30, some at 15. And, you know, it's like, okay, great. Now that I captured all that, I had to take all that and basically move it over to, to my automation and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now this was great because I can just go, yep, 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 yep. I can just go around the switches, play with what I want and just basically go click and take a snapshot of that, right? Essentially. And, and transfer it to a scene. Which is which mm. is great. As long as somebody doesn't like, you know, go around and turn something else on, like somebody turns on like an exhaust fan or something like that, and it's like, nah, <laughs> that's part of the scene. Which, you know, outside of that, well, I think, now you I can think exclude this is great. It. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's true. You can, you can actually use this in automations, because well, a lot of the times, at least at my home, like uh, things will change. Like I don't know, my girlfriend thinks uh, the light should be dim more because she feels like it but you still have automations yeah. right so you want to do probably maybe a, a temporary automation like uh, hitting a notification with the lights and it's really hard right now because you do not know what the state was before so this actually allows you to make a snapshot of your current state of things do your notification thing and then return the state back to what it was whatever it was yeah mm-hmm. in your automations you don't have to know so you can create temporary scenes with this I use a lot of color in my house for notifications. So, for example, if the dishwasher is clean, uh, all the lights that are, can change color go pink. So that's, you know, like a just a visual cue that, hey, the dishwasher is clean, go and empty it, right? As opposed to having right. announcements coming over and yelling. So it's really cool, like, if maybe I, I know I use an if talk, so if the Amazon Echo timer goes off, all the lights flash, you know, maybe 
sometimes a couple of those lights don't come back to the correct state after they've finished doing their flashing. So now with a scene, I could just mm. go ahead and, you know, snapshot all the lights I'm about to go in and change color for the timer to go off. And then when the scene, when, you know, wait 30 seconds, then reset everything back to what it originally was. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a really cool use case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So also something else coming out, uh, a little bit different, is uh, Proxmox. So a lo- I know quite a few people, especially in the home automation community, like to use Proxmox mm. to uh, manage their virtual machines and so on. Essentially, now you can integrate that into Home Assistant and you can actually see uh, what containers, what VMs, whatever is running uh, and the status of them as a, as a binary sensor. So are they up? Are they down? What's going on there? So... Which, uh, which is, I think it's kind of cool. Um, and, and I know there's, I think, Phil, I think it was you that kind of had an automation that said, Hey, if this dies or re restart it, restart home assistant yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. Right. So, so if you use Proxmox, something like that might actually, you, you now have a sensor to say, Hey, I can actually do this rather than having to, I don't know how you do it today. Do you SSH in or do you just say, Oh no, you just, you just do a straight blank restart home assistant every night or something like that. Right. Uh, well I do based on Docker containers. So if one of a Docker t- container is down and it's down for, right. you know, like 15 minutes, then I'll just go in and issue a, a Docker restart on it. Right. Right. Another cool integration for people that want to add some nice graphs to their house is a flume integration. So it's actually a smart water meter and it will tell you how much water your house is consuming in real time. And it will now pump that over, no pun intended, into Home Assistant. And you can then see how much water is being used from your house in real time. And I guess you can use it to sort of detect leaks in the house as well. So Mm -hmm. if you've got all the taps turned off and it's 3am in the morning and your house is somehow consuming water, the system should be smart enough to be able to tell you, hey, something's leaking. You need to fix that. Starline integration. So if you're in Russia, I believe. Uh, so if you have an active Starline account, which uh, from from what I gather is uh, more or less a security system that's available in, in Russia and, and possibly other places as well. So please don't assume it's just that. <laughs> this is going on my minimal knowledge of Starline. So... Uh, <laughs> So, so if you have an active Starline account, you can actually get uh, get ho- uh, Home Assistant uh, to pull information about uh, your car. So the state of the door lock, state of the handbrake, temperature of it, so on and so forth. And you can actually also use it as a device tracker based on kind of where your car is located. Apparently, there's got support as well to start and stop the engine. So that's uh, if you're in a colder country like... Uh, like I mean, we're we're coming into winter right now in in Canada, and or I guess winter's basically here at this point. You know, if you want to pre warm up your car, do something like that, which a lot of people do do. Now there's a lot of debate about whether it's a good idea or not, but I'm not, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, but if that is something you need to do, then I guess you could uh, you could do that here. So pretty dangerous automation to have. Uh, you know, maybe the car just automatically stop if you're maybe your home assistant's being a bit frazzled at home and you're driving down the, the freeway at a hundred k's an hour and all of a sudden a, an automation ticks on at, at home and it tells you to stop the car up here <laughs> a bit awkward yeah as you're driving down the highway just right um mm. yeah there there's it may, it might be you know you may not want to have all the all the services in there so um and and from a security perspective as well. Again, um, I I don't know if it can actually unlock your door, but or just 
say if the door is unlocked or not. And it sounds like it's just a state that it reports back and doesn't actually do anything like that. But uh, yeah, just play with it. And hopefully, uh, hopefully it's not too insecure. <laughs> hopefully. I think it would be like uh, I think it would be like the same thing for the apps, right? So they have apps, I assume. Yeah. And so it should be like I I think it would be thought through. Yeah, yeah. It's not a new new we on a blocker or something. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it and it does sound like it's just a state that it reports. So yeah, maybe the door lock isn't isn't as much of an issue, but being able to turn off your car remotely might be, right? depending on what you do. So all right, some breaking changes. This is the final release for the year, uh, final release for the decade, and it also means it's the final release that's going to support Python three point six. So Frank, does have we got three point eight support? done then if we're deprecating 3.6 are we 3.8 ready good to go like no 3.8 some people are already running on 3.8 so it apparently it, it kind of works um but yeah we're still working on a 3.8 part so it's it that is not finished yet maybe maybe for the next release i'm not sure i don't think mm-hmm. i don't know we'll mm-hmm. see but yeah we have to announce the the deprecation of 3.6 to follow our own like set of rules yep as long as it works in the next release, that's fine. But if things stop working, then, well, at least we inform people, right? So that yep. 3.8 is coming really soon. And uh, 3.6, yeah, this will be the last release that absolutely is tested and works with the 3.6. That's basically it. So what are the right. rules that Home Assistant's got? So if someone's manually installing Home Assistant today, they don't mm-hmm. believe in Docker or anything like that. And they're running three point seven. How? What's the rule for when will that be determined to be? Yeah, deprecated? we we uh, we used to have a rule where we followed Debian, whatever they did that was the lowest version. Mm-hmm. But then Debian actually started doing some good things, and they they just jumped to Python three point seven, and we were like, okay, but we do not want to drop three point six yet. We're right. barely ready for three point seven. So. At that point, it, it, that rule that we had didn't work. So what we come up with is we supported the last two major versions of Python. So we 3.8 is now the, the, the stable major version. So that means 3.8 mm-hmm. and 3.7 are the supported versions. However, as soon as it's released, we give, uh, I think, two release cycles time. I might be incorrect on this one, but something like that. So we start as soon as the new version comes out of Python, we start to announce it. And then we have a couple of cycles, and then we'll deprecate it. So always the last two versions right. with uh, two release cycles overlap, I think. Right. Which makes sense. I'm guessing if there's two versions of Python that are in production, you know, you're, you're basically making sure that you only have to support those two versions, you know, as opposed to having to support three or four versions of Python at a time. You know, you're, you're announcing this is what we support, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and two version is pretty okay, like most most things work with it with this and especially if you're running docker and or has io uh, in those cases like we ship uh, the python with the image so yep. mm. you can be assured there's nothing for you here to see it's just it, it will be working that's for sure yeah and and that's one of my favorite things about the docker image is that i don't have to deal with python versions i don't have to deal with any of that stuff right yeah so same with same with from a has IO perspective because it does use Docker under the covers. Don't need to worry about it. It's, those are the same images nowadays. Yeah, actually. yeah, exactly. So yeah, 
So also uh, another breaking change uh, is so there are changes to service names. So as part of a larger overhaul, um, and we've kind of seen this in the last few releases as well in the previous releases um check uh check the release notes before you update uh, there are a bunch of platforms that are affected in terms of services names and stuff like that so uh, just make sure make sure you're following that it's a, a really big list and i was surprised i actually went through every single one to make sure that i just did a find global find and replace and i was very pleased to find out that i didn't have one service that was affected somehow i missed that but yeah there is nice. a lot in this release i think it's yeah the biggest uh, one we've seen uh, for a release because we've seen many this year, but I think that this release is just huge. So there's bound yeah, to be yeah. a few, especially if you, Rohan, you've got to have at least one in there. Yeah, I, I should look. <laughs> well, these are the kind of things that people go like become a bit mad over, right? Like mm-hmm. all those breaking changes and why and, and all those questions. But these are the important ones to do for for things like being a 1.0 right now the services mm-hmm. could be like in the light domain or it could be in the integration name like uh, i don't know yep. uh, like I, I i think i wrote an example in the release notes about to do it at first it was like calendar calendar to do is new task and now it's yeah. to do is dot new task and that makes a lot of more sense and in the yeah. in the past it was like mixed like it was everywhere it could be on the integration it could be under its light or calendar component somewhere you didn't know. So right now it's just clear where it is. It's with the integration always. And that's really important to streamline for things like 1.0. Right. So even though it's a breaking change, it's a good thing. It, it makes things easier and understandable and predictable. No. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And and this kind of stuff, again, before, before upgrading anything, really, you should be, you know, best practices read the notes, uh, read the release notes, uh, stuff like that. If there's stuff missing, then that's a different issue. But, you know, I think Home Assistant's been pretty decent, actually, with documenting. Here's all the changes. Blah, blah. I mean, Phil and I go through it every every release. So it's, uh, I think, I think, yeah, just make sure, make sure you, you uh, read, the, read the blog posts that, uh, that the team puts out. And a, probably an, an annoying breaking change this release if you are still using the emulated hue component that ships with home assistant they've had to make some changes to the back end just to be consistent with the standard of the emulated hue component so from this release you're going to have to go in probably delete your entities from the hue json file that will be in your configuration folder and then Unfortunately, you can have to go ahead and relink all your devices with your Amazon Echo and Google Home. The reason is that a lot of the entity IDs that were being generated by Home Assistant were actually being, uh, in some cases, incompatible with the standard, which meant you couldn't link, depending on the entity ID name, you couldn't link them with either the Amazon Echo or Google Home. So moving forward, these are now coming as part of that standard, and you should be able to just, once you've repaired them, you shouldn't have to worry about this in the future. And last one is uh, if you use some uh, Miflora integration, um, then they'll now report states as unavailable. So what that means is if your Miflora hasn't reported in for a bit, uh, essentially what will happen is that the values will be set to unavailable. So you basically know that either your battery is dead or something else is up, uh, which is I think is great. So I think I have so many of these devices that I don't know if they're up or down. I just see them. Yeah. I, I assume that data is still accurate because they're Bluetooth, right? They just 
check in every whenever they want to check in, basically. So that's a cool little add-on. Yeah. To your point, one of the one of the issues I have with it because I I just I have it working on a Raspberry Pi Zero that's just pulling all of my uh, my Flora devices and mm. but exactly I've got right now I've got two that are blank. And I guess since my last reset, they just haven't updated. So I got to, you know, I need to go look. And, and this is this is how I know that stuff is broken, right? So th- this uh, unavailable state will help quite a bit. So as much as it's classified as a breaking change, um, I, I think it's actually really good. So if you have any automations and stuff around that, which is probably why it is a breaking change, because it will break that. But mm. it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a good thing. And one uh, noteworthy update that... I was really excited to see buried in the release notes is that the Amazon Echo now supports opening and closing covers or blinds. So, uh, for example, you can now say to your little lady friend, uh, set the office blinds to open or set the office blinds to closed. Previously, you know, the open and closed keywords have been reserved by Amazon for safety. You know, they don't want people just being able to yell out close and someone's neck is underneath it when the garage door closes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there is a workaround. So it does need, and I've, I tested it today, it really needs that set to be in the phrase. So you can't just say, um, you know, hey, Amazon, open the office blinds. You have to say, hey, Amazon, set the office blinds to open. So it's closer. It's right. not perfect, but it's really cool to be able to have that proper voice control. You know, there's no jargon of, you know, hey, Amazon, tell Home Assistant to do this, you know, sort of thing. It's much easier to do. So how I got around it for the last, I guess, the better part of a year is uh, is I actually brought it in as a uh, switch uh, or or as a binary switch. So, I mean, so it's a little more annoying. But you have to say, you know, on or off, right? Right. So, so just, again, a little getting used to, but uh, both of us now, I think, just say, hey, turn on the, turn on the whatever, turn off the whatever, right? So, like, turn on the garage door, Mm. right? Which basically means open it. Um, And it was a one-way, it was a path of least resistance for me. (laughs) It's just, great, it's there. I don't care. It works, whatever, right? Um, Is it ideal? No. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy video lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy video lock, that's E-U-F-Y video lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Could you use a routine to override the voice command? Like, could you have in the uh, the Amazon Echo app, you know, set a routine yeah, when I say this, switch on the garage actually door? Actually do this. Um, yeah. I don't know, actually. I guess so. Because this, I did this before routines were a thing in the app. Right. Um, and... and Honestly, couldn't have been less bothered to change it. Uh, but now I think, 
That's not a bad idea. I'm, I might have that just as a second option, so I can kind of do both. Mm. Um, say turn on or open, but yeah. Um, also, uh, so another uh, noteworthy update, Lutron uh, now has support for fans. So if you've got uh, a Lutron switch with a fan, cool. Go for it. There you go. And in some related news, Home Assistant for Android version 1.2 is released, and it now includes uh, push notifications to directly to the app. So really cool to see the Android version coming along nicely. Yeah. I think I'm going to officially move over, get rid of my little HTML shortcut, get the proper app running. So yeah, if you're relying on that, you can get rid of HTML5 notifications and, and use native push notifications from the app now. That's awesome. Yeah, and and if you also haven't seen, and we talked about it last time as well, um, on the iOS side, the iOS app is now technically out of beta, the 2.0 app. So if you haven't, if you're if you're using the integration and still or haven't updated it, updated, it's actually really cool. So Frank, now uh, it's all about you. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So, so, so I mean, I mean, let, let's get right to it. Uh, we we all heard that uh, you're starting at uh, Nabucasa, and your first week is, I guess, now officially done, kind of. Yeah, two weeks now, right? It's my two second weeks. week. Yeah. yeah. So, so how how was how was week number one? Uh, it is it is getting used to it. I I need to get used to it. It's yeah. really it is it has been cool by the way uh, that's for sure. But this is a uh, for me this is a big lifestyle change. Sure. So that's uh, I'm 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 looking for how to uh, to to handle this all. Like um, we we talked before the show a bit with Phil and I. Like um, before you could go to work and then come home with the kids and you eat something and then well it's home assistant time for me at that point. Uh, right now, that's gone. So the, the the work part is gone. Like this is still work. It's now my job, but it's yeah. the, it's at home. So the line between my private life and and my job now is really thin. Sure, sure. It, it became really thin, and I I need to work on like finding my way in that. But it has been great. I, I've been doing things these weeks with, with that I have been putting off a long time. Uh, so that's kind of nice, and and I'm looking forward to this time. But this is a weird month. It's it's December, like we all have holidays and things going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Paul's is traveling. So right now we're we're focusing on cleaning things up, just handling pull requests, bug fixes, uh, and those kinds of things. Just make a good end. And next year in January, we'll see. We're going to do some nice things. The cool thing about Nabucasa, it's now really becoming a team. Yeah, you are like, there's four of you now, all spread across the globe. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. And as a team, we are able to do put some some nice things together. Like it's not yes. just solo runs. We we can now talk and discuss on how we going to approach things and how maybe we're going to do something together. So that's that's uh, that's that's something there as well. Yeah. So that's nice. So what are you thinking, you know, end of the year, you're going to have a break in a couple of weeks. What's your plans for 2020? Have you got anything that you want to, you've, you've had in Frank HQ there, you've just got to knock out. Well, for me, it's, um, it's actually weird enough. It's a documentation and it's not, I've, I've been working on documentation a lot last year, mainly not in writing like the actual content, but like 
structuring and cleaning up the code base mm. and making sure the thing builds and runs quick and yeah. making it easier to contribute to those kinds of stuff. And I'm really looking forward to to just jump in and do something about the structure since the structure of the, the website and our documentation is, well, it's, it's old. The website is four years old now and yep. we've grown so much. Like the current structure doesn't fit what we do right now. So I've been restructuring a bit and I had a lot of help from the community and I'm looking forward to make like a bigger leap there. So that's something for me personally um, that I would like to dive into. Uh, secondly, add-ons. I think like I have a lot of them. Um, nice. <laughs> I can maintain them more. I, I wanted to create a couple actually, um, but I also want to improve like the experience for the current ones. Um, it would be really cool if, for example, an add-on that needs uh, MySQL to connect to can actually just figure out with uh, MySQL itself. Like, okay, how do I connect to you, the other add-on, um, mm, without people to have cool. to input data? Yeah. Uh, some other stuff we're working on is like, uh, if you install, I don't know, if you install the AdGuard add-on, like Home Assistant will pop up and say, hey, we discovered you installed the add-on. Do you want to install the integration and single click? I think we can expand that with more stuff. So those are the things that are on top of my mind. Like just making the experience and, and, and for new users and also existing users more easy. Yeah. That's kind of the theme for State of the Union as well, right? So that's the theme for the UI and that's the theme we're running at right now, making it easy. And especially if you're heading towards that goal of 1.0 and trying to get, yeah. you know, make it yeah. easier for everyday user to get on board and not have to worry about the technical side of things. To be honest, like this is my second week. <laughs> I'm trying to get used. I'm not sure where we're going to land in 2020. So these are yeah. like my personal <laughs> ideas right out from the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, where are we going? I don't know. We're going to talk about it, I'm sure. And, and, and uh, there's a lot of things we could do. And the question is, what should we do? And yeah. that's, uh, that's a mm. different discussion. Yeah. So, so what, is, what does this mean for live streams? Nothing. Okay, good. So you're still going to keep doing them. You're still. <laughs> yeah. That was a, a little bit of a brain fart there. <laughs> the live streams. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Just one day I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe I can hit play. I, I looked at Twitch a couple of times and I saw some coders coming up there and I think, hey, I can do that. Maybe yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's something people will want to watch or I don't know. We'll see. And, uh, it exploded somehow a bit. And I've been doing it ever since and will continue to, to do so. That's awesome. I, I like it. The, in, the, yeah. the communication with the people watching and the chat is just, that's just fun. Yeah. I like how like 10 people will go in the chat nuts on the fact you make a typo. It's just, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. I like it. That's so But funny. they have ideas and that's, um, that's something to listen to. Yeah, for sure. I, and, and I love your opening theme too. And I know you and I have talked about this several times, but your opening theme is honestly the best. <laughs> it's too loud. It's a little bit stressful, and but it's energetic. And um, that's, that's the thing. I, I play music during my streams, for example, um, yeah. which is a little bit weird. Like a lot of people don't know the music I use and still it's really energetic and people are requesting me a lot for the song. So now in, 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 in the image, there is a, a little bar with the current song I'm playing so people can find it because it's mostly weird. Oh, uh, that's cool. But, but <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't know. It, it gives me energy. 
I like I like doing it. I haven't been streaming a lot lately, and it has mainly to do with uh, my closing job, this this new thing coming up. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of stuff I had to take care of, so streaming was hard lately. Uh, but right now I'm picking up slowly. Uh, last stream was last Tuesday with uh, Paulus and Bram. They were here uh, in my home, so we we did nice. stream nice. from uh, from my couch here in the living room. We did a Q and A. It's kind of nice. That's awesome. Actually. Yeah. Oh man, that's 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 a lot of fun. So I'm I'm glad that's something you you enjoy. I'm glad that that's something you know. It's it's almost lets you let go of other stuff, whatever stresses and stuff, right? And just focus on this and do that. And and yeah. like you said, it's it's a good it's a good mechanism for people to give feedback as well, right? On on what you're doing and a little bit of validation on your stuff as well. So yeah, and I initially started like if people can see how easy it is to build an add-on, maybe more people will jump into it. That was like yeah. <laughs> actually my initial thought, uh, but okay, that train went uh, like detoured a bit, and we're doing all <laughs> kinds of stuff now. So <laughs> I don't know. It's just fun. I like your interaction. That really gives me like energy. Uh, it's yeah. fun to do. Yeah, and 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 I think the the cool part too is I think um, you because you record some of the stuff as well. Uh, and basically make tutorials out of it, right? So I, I actually followed something that was, uh, so my, my home assistant incident is now structured similarly to yours. <laughs> cause, cause I was just, one. I was just watching through stuff and I was like, I know, I know I pinged you about it too, but I was, uh, I was watching, uh, through some of your videos and I was like, man, I really like the way that that is, that how you've organized it. And I was like, cause in my mind, like that is, super logical using packages and using this and this and this and like you know keeping things very structured right and and uh whereas my old config was just kind of all over the place so uh, yeah, i've been playing and thinking with that structure a lot until i was happy and satisfied and then somehow it came up during a stream and i just started explaining and later i just cut that piece out i was like okay this is kind of cool maybe for somebody else and i've seen tons of repositories on github that that did now this configuration change yeah uh, which is kind of nice to see and kind of cool it, it was a different kind of approach it was never meant to be as a copy thing it was meant to be as a look you don't have to do what's in the documentation you right. can structure it your own way however your mind works but yeah that's apparently not how it works people will just go in and do <laughs> for my repo actually and then change the devices in it oh that's funny but, <laughs> but yeah uh, it, it, home assistant is really flexible and this was kind of the thing that i never see people doing people were following documentation in this part they did either the packages stuff or the monolith that you get when you start out yeah but you can just tune it that was the whole message behind it a little yeah bit. Which which I loved, right? So I think you know, in my mind, it's more efficient for me to do it this way. So I'm doing it this way. So <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> so I guess this brings us to uh, back to where you know Home Assistant is. And so last time we left you, you were just creating basically HassIO add-ons, not using Home yeah. Assistant. You're like, oh, what's this thing, Home Assistant? I don't know. I just do HassIO add-ons. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so now you, I'm guessing, you know what Home Assistant is, and and You've started using Home Assistant. They've obviously hired yeah. you for a reason. So can we yeah. talk about your smart home? And, and surely you've got the addiction now and everything's automated. I can see a Christmas tree behind you. I'm, I'm guessing that's got to have some cool automation to it. Yeah, it has ESP Home. I love ESP Home, by the way. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. No, it's a, it's a Tuya plug, which I converted with ESP Home. That thing is just nice. Nice. But simple. Those are simple LEDs with just on-off white light. I do not have... A major matrix in my three with uh, pixels and 
uh, advice <laughs> and stuff. I see that a lot right now. It's that's too much for me. That's not going to work. Yeah. But about my house and, and the things I automate and do, I, I have a lot of home assistant running nowadays, um, like mainly test systems and production and dev um, and testing. So I have actually, I don't know, I think 10 instances or something. But one instance is my main production instance. Hey, uh, mm -hmm. What do I do with it? I have uh, decons, uh, a lot of IKEA and Philips Hue stuff. I, I love those Zigbee. I love Zigbee stuff. I have a couple of C-Wave. My thermostats are all C-Wave. Uh, I have a tone thermostat on the wall, which is um, which is typical Dutch, I guess. It's only available in the Netherlands, Belgium, and Spain, I guess. But yeah, I have a robot vacuum, and it's mainly lights, actually. And and to be honest, in the end, like <laughs> I'm still fiddling around with things, trying things out, and developing. And actually, my my home assistant is always in a state that is that it's broken, <laughs> or half baked, or yeah. not moving forward because I'm thinking ah, I'm going to fix this first. I'm going to improve this first before I can start using it. And then the list grows and goes on and on. And then, well, I'm back to the problem where we initially talked about in two years ago, am I using home assistant? Yeah. Yes. I could say yes now, but it's at the same time, it's, I don't give myself the time to actually use it myself. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you doing any, any interesting automations with those things or just kind of they're just there like what are you what are you doing well the, the most interesting automation that i have like the two most useful ones i have are really simple one is when the alarm gets armed i have a, i have an alarm system in my home that, that works with home assistant okay as soon as it arms then it knows the state if we're armed home or armed away so in case of armed away it will know okay let me turn on the light turn off the lights and turn down the heatings in the rooms and I think that's just pretty useful. It saves energy. You don't have to think about mm -hmm. it. And we actually yep. do not think about it. Like it hasn't worked one time. And then we came home and we're like, okay, all the lights are on. What's going on? We don't care about lights and those kinds of things anymore because it just works. Yeah. And my other automation would be like simply the central ventilation system of my house. I used a couple of Sonoff devices to um, make my current ventilation system smart. Um, mm. loaded up with ESP home and they were now actually in my system as a fan. And as soon, for example, if I take a shower in the morning and the humidity goes up, it will detect it and will just turn on ventilation and will turn it down again or off when like every humidity level is normal again there. That's and that's actually cool. useful because in the yeah. morning we used to go like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I will turn on the ventilation. Then you go out of the shower and you think, yeah, it's still, the humidity is high. So you go away to work and then you come home and the thing is still like. Yep. Still running full blast. Still running. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's just a waste of energy. So yeah. that's one of those two are actually my most useful automations. How simple they are, they just work and are really helpful. Yeah. So have you automated the arming and disarming of your alarm panel? With like presence, nope. nope. Any particular reason why do you use presence detection, or you just use it nope. based on the alarm state? Just the alarm state. That's enough for yeah, me. And fair. I'm not. And yeah. the 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 integration that I use, and the, the, that's very sure. And the user that is uh, hooked up to Home Assistant has no rights to turn on and off the alarm. So mm -hmm. I, I even even if I wanted to from Home Assistant, I 
cannot do it because the user I, I created for it doesn't have the rights. Yeah. This is something where there's a lot of discussion going on, like with locks and, and alarm systems. I'm the type of guy, while I love all this stuff, this is where my border is. This is where yeah. I draw the line. No, you're not touching my alarm system. You're not touching my locks. Yeah. You can see the state. That's fine. You can automate on that, but no, not no, you're not armist. setting, yeah. you're not yeah. unlocking your door, you're not, yeah, yeah. Nope. I'm guessing that means you don't have the ability to, as a good night routine, you won't have the ability then to lock the house down. So you can't, house won't lock all the doors for you when you say, go nope. good night. No, nope, mm, we don't. Interesting. Okay. We just lock the doors, old fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I arm the alarm, old fashioned. And uh, because it, it reacts on states we, we have, like, if I arm the alarm, it will know we're going to bed or not. Like if I arm the, mm. the down floor, downstairs yeah. floors, it will it will know we're going to bed. So it, it's actually I use the alarm system as a trigger to do things. Right. So I use the MQTT alarm panel. Uh, similar thing, right? So when the alarm panel is disarmed, someone is home. Um, and when it's, you know, goes into night mode, we're asleep and, you know, and all that. But I automate it with... Uh, our presence on our phones and that way the alarm panel because i have some fire hd uh, tablets around running fully kiosk with home assistant up on the on lovelace if a guest comes over and they need to you know tell the house you know that someone's home they can just use it as a an alarm panel punch in a code and then all the automations that are driven off that alarm panel being disarmed then kick in so you know guests have the ability to have presence in the house as well so I can see your point, like, you know, the the alarm panel knows what the state of the house is, right? So, yeah, I would have, yeah, yeah I, I can see your point, you know, no access. I don't want them being able to disarm my alarm panel and all that, but I don't know. It is cool to get home and not have to worry, like, the door unlocks. And- <laughs> it's it's not like you can ignore it as soon as you open the door, the thing starts beeping the hell out of you. So it's, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. It, it is a thing. We're used to it, and it, for us, it works. And I just do not feel comfortable uh, having my stuff, like my automation stuff. Like I trust the system, but I do not trust like the world. Yeah. And mm. um, yeah. I can't. I, I can't say I blame you. I, I. I think I. I'm. I'm. I'm similar with that with certain things. Again. Uh, again, especially both physical and network security wise right i think i think i'm kind of saying okay let's drop some walls and let's figure out what's what and then you know least privilege right is uh yeah i use a lot of different networks in my home as well just to yeah like put devices in networks where they do not have internet access like cctv cameras or i don't know i have a guest lan and i have uh, my private wi-fi and i've different networks running just to isolate stuff yeah and even prevent devices to go in online yeah or or the other way prevent devices or allow only devices to go right out instead of going being able to talk inside too right yeah for sure so but yeah no that's that's awesome so so you're from a presence perspective you're, you said you're basically just using the alarm panel to say hey we're home we're not yeah. Um, and all of that stuff. So are you are you also using any voice assistance or anything like that? Like do you do you have a Google Home? Yes, like you- I have the 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 search engine uh, devices. 
yeah. into Google devices. Yeah. Um, and I, mine triggered right now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I got some hops and, 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 uh, on the, on the weirdest places. I have one, uh, one, one on my, um, on my ba- uh, bathroom, actually. When yeah. I take a shower in the morning, I love to say good morning and I will read me the news and play some music and tunes. And the kids love it as well, by the way. But yeah, we mainly voice control everything. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because I had, uh, so I'm primarily on the Amazon ecosystem, but I have I have uh, the Googles in my bathrooms as well. And that was just stuff because I, I didn't have Googles at the time in my, uh, this is before the girlfriend moved in with me. So I was like, I need to play with this. I got her some, some Google Homes. And then she moved in, so now I'm like, huh, what do I do with these? So I uh, have them plugged into the, and just mounted on the wall. And, uh, and yeah, so it's great. So turn off the, like turn on the exhaust fan, like stuff like that. Like if you forget to turn it on when you're showering and all that stuff, it's like, okay, great. Just yell it. It's handy. So guys, Christmas is coming up, right? That's right. And we, and, and there's a new decade coming in, huh? It is, yes. So what I would like to know, and I think I asked this question in episode 16, two years ago, what would you like to have from Santa under your tree for your home, for your home automation stuff? What would be your ultimate wish that should be in a package under your tree? Mm. As in a product that exists or it, do- or it doesn't exist and it would I didn't be specify, so surprise me. Mm. Mm. That's oh, a tricky this is a one. tough one. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> we're both stumped <laughs> I, I, I would like to have uh, like curtain rails uh, which I on Zigbee or Zwe for something just because I have mm. a massively long window in my living room which is 11 meters almost uh, that's a long curtain so I need a bit of track it's a long track yeah. um, so that's something I wish for actually to be honest my wife wishes for it a very long time she's been nagging me about it um, she actually loves all the home automation stuff. So I'm kind of like, I hope I have this as present because A, it's cool to do and work with and B, the nagging stuff. Uh, so, um, yeah, that would be my ultimate gift for, for this year under the, under the tree. So that would give you guys some time to think. Interesting. I, th- I think for me, it's, it's something around BLE. Um, and a better way to integrate BLE. Like I, I hate BLE <laughs> to be quite honest. Uh, no, I don't hate BLE. I, I hate the way that it's very one to one or like, like there, there's that pairing that it needs, not, not pairing, but it's passive. I don't know how to explain it. I just the whole structure of how BLE is, is done is very crappy. I think, I think what I would love to have is just a new, a new BLE system where it, it, I don't have to deal with that. And what does that mean? I have no idea. I just, I, I, I just know that every time, every time I have to deal with either my uh, Xiaomi and Mi Flora devices or uh, anything else like that, and and that's actually a big reason as to why I haven't done a ton of stuff in terms of presence, room presence with my phone and stuff, is just because I honestly couldn't be bothered with with BI. <laughs> I can just see. to to do to to put the effort in, right? It, it's a lot of effort for not a lot of reward. Um, mm. I, I think, I think, yeah, better, better BLE without the constraints of BLE. How's that? <laughs> Dear Santa, please deliver BLE to Rohan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, man. Phil, what about you? So I am, a, I, I'm in this predicament where I'm only renting. So I can't go ahead and do all these crazy changes to the house. 
Um, so that means I can't do crazy things like, you know, changing the locks and making them smart or anything like that. I've got the most of the curtains or the blinds automated with the, uh, the Soma devices and a couple of the brunts. So they're done. Um, they're, uh, that's fine. I would think the the where I struggle is outside of my house, there's no electricity. And I would love to do you know, like some automated landscape lighting. But the problem is everything that could be done is either solar and let's face it, they're not very bright at all. So they'd hardly light up anything. Um, I'd love to have like the Philips Hue outdoor, you know, colored lights and all that, that I could automate. You know, it's key here. It has to be automated. I don't want, you know, know, just a a dumb automation. I want it hooked into home assistant somehow. So, you know, some sort of outdoor lighting that I could control through home assistant and it not require electricity outside. I don't think it exists. Maybe it does, and someone can maybe put it under my tree for me. That'd be great. Santa, looking at you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that that's where I'm at. You know, I think yeah. inside the house I, I've sort of conquered, outside the house is where I'm struggling to conquer now. Couldn't you just, like, charge a battery with, with, with solar and then... Like, yeah, I, I mean, you like could. You could buy a Tesla um, Powerwall, power a little bit of overkill, yeah. but the concept. But you can't mount the Powerwall because yeah. it's a rented house. <laughs> oh. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could, but then I don't want any big batteries just hanging out. And it, it needs to be neat, right? I don't want a big battery in my garden bed. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, that's prob- you're probably right. I could do something like that, but then is it worth it? Then I'm, when I move, I'm going to have to pack it all up and it's not going to fit the next place and... Yeah, it'll be too uh, custom for this problems. for this place, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, dear Santa, bring Phil electricity to his garden. <laughs> exactly, that's, that's the message, right? <laughs> that's right. Because it's not just lighting; you could do like <laughs> irrigation controllers and all that. Like, there's, I think there's a lot out there that you could you could automate as well. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. I think it was it was with you, Phil, that I was talking about kind of like what I want to do in my backyard and all of that stuff. And yeah, because you were doing your patio deck or something. Yeah. Well, I I, just, I wanted to just basically redo my entire backyard. I got zero percent of it done. Um, I got awesome. I got I, I got I got well, I, I got a little bit done. I got a, I got a tree. Um, so there there was a tree right in front of my building. Uh. Where which was starting to kind of dig out my foundation, and uh, you know that, that was a very expensive fix. So I had to get that. Uh, I couldn't get it moved, so I had to get it removed. So mm. um, so I've gotten that that done, and now so that that also cleared up a bit of space. And now I need to basically rip up all the grass in the in the spring and level out the ground and do all that stuff. But I think I think I still do want to do a bunch of that stuff, but I I, I mean I don't have the constraints you do because it's it's the the property itself is mine, right? Not rented, so but I actually need to do something. So dear dear Santa, can you also just do my backyard for me? That would be great. (laughs) 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 But yeah, yeah, this is going to be a great year, new decade, by the way, new decade, which is a new decade. No. So it'll be. Uh, let, let's see what it's got in store for us. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I hope a lot. What 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 would be something you would like to have in store, like an automation world, like not not necessarily like things you want to have under your tree, but what what would you hope for in the upcoming decade in the smart home world? I think just more 
man, I don't want to sound like a buzzword, but something a little more intuitive, right? Because even right now, all the context is still more or less programmed in, whereas I think just understanding stuff. So so kind of where, again, I, I hate to use the AI, ML, whatever buzzword. Uh, is it a buzzword? I don't think it, so. It, it, I, I think in the context I want to use it in, it's not. <laughs> okay. But, 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 That's the point. But, but I think, but I think, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, because there's a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, this is AI, and it's like it's, it's not. It's just it's, it's a bunch of four statements, and you know that's that's it. Um, or sorry, if statements, and that's it. And so you know, I, I think I think properly true context around how I use my house, learn how I use my house, and then around that, you build the automations. Yeah, especially that one. It should be like that, like intelligence, machine learning, AI kind of level where you notice that every time you go out, you push the button to turn on the the backyard lights. Yeah. So at some point, you should open up the door and the system should think, well, I turn on the lights for you, mate. Right, exactly. Something like that. I don't yeah. know. Sounds but, a bit scary. At but but actually works. Yeah. 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 That too. Right. And, and how do you keep all of that? That's the other thing is how do you keep all of that stuff local? Um, cause that, that particularly wouldn't want to be something that I want to expose out either. Right. So, um, but I think if we're pontificating about where the next decade is going to take us, I would hope, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm hoping that the next decade would see a move away from cloud dependency cloud. for, yeah. yeah, I think it has just, the, the it's like the, the great sin of the smart home has been to rely on the cloud. And Rohan and I, we talk about this, you know, every episode, basically, you know, when a service shuts down and, you know, we saw it today with Sonos and, and Snips, like, we need to just move away from the cloud and put things back in the home and yeah. you know, not create all these silos and, and subscription models. You know, like I shouldn't need to pay a monthly fee to access my doorbell, you know? So oh, I know that's where I hope in this decade things um, And I'm guessing I'm starting, like, if you look in the big picture, we're seeing a lot of revolt, like the anti-Google movement, you know, people saying, get rid of Google, let's, Know, host you know host your own email server and all that sort of thing and you know people are big, especially since uh, Cambridge Analytica we're being a lot more privacy focused yeah. and I hope that translates over into the smart home and people start realizing that you know we do have these eavesdropping devices that are just data collectors like you know, that's why our Google home is so cheap is because you know they want our data. Absolutely, uh, and and I I I hope that sorry I'm I'm getting on my high horse here, but I do hope that you know the next decade it's we move we step away from that and don't go further down that that path. I think it's it's inevitable for companies in the end. Like people will stop accepting stuff. Like for 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 Google and Facebook and those kinds of big companies and, and the Amazons, like they don't have to worry that much. But it's those all those little manufacturers and, yeah. and that. If they want to be like a difference, if they, if they want to mm. make a difference in the market, then local control is probably one of the things to do. And you see it happen a lot. Like a lot of small manufacturers like Shelly, for example, is a good example at this point. 
yep. giving people uh, local controls just just a thing and we all love it and mm-hmm. that makes them sell stuff and then they will grow and then the question becomes will they still offer local control and for things like um currently i'm i'm a bit worried about wink yeah. i hear things about wink it's not a thing here in the netherlands yes. i do not have it but it's probably one of the great examples that people have issues with their platform because wink have unstable services and the rumors are it's not going well with uh, the will i am company that is not yeah. wink yeah yeah and 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 i think so so let me let me ask you guys this then so then if do you see so in in Europe Frank you probably have a very different lens because Europe as a whole is a lot more privacy focused a lot more um, yeah. like like making sure you as an individual are are protected right whether you realize it or not I think um and and you see that with some of the stuff like GDPR and and what what whatever other other stuff that kind of comes across um but we don't like I, Honestly, I don't know if I'm seeing that in North America, right? And and before before all, you know, there's I I know I'm going to get like six emails going. <laughs> uh, actually, I think I I, I agree that it is. It, I I don't think it's where it should be, right? Um, like for example, DuckDuckGo. Um, I think it's a great service instead of using Google and so doing all that stuff. But is it mainstream? In my opinion, no. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, when I still go to, you know my friends that aren't technical or that aren't privacy savvy or anything like that. Or, or I mean, even, even if I go to my parents, right. Hey, what search engine do you use? They use Google. Right. Um, and, and, and so, so I don't, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as prevalent here or, or as, as widespread here as it is. Um, I think in Europe it's, it's like, I feel at one point I think it's good. I am happy. It's there. And like it protecting my privacy, although I, myself like i stream and you can look at my computer and me and i don't know how much my privacy is worth at this point but the 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 in general i'm happy with the loss but yeah the other side of it is that like every freaking thing has to be confirmed and done and for example if you look at the average news site nowadays you come in and you get a and for europe you get a cookie wall you have to agree to the cookies and you can select which cookies for which goals and then you go on and then you will get a notice about like your privacy stuff and yeah uh, probably um well i'm using adguard as the add-on so um uh, it will tell something about me blocking advertising which they rely on and if i want to de-block it so if I'm getting rid of that notification, I will get a notification if I want to receive notifications for updates, like in your browser and the HTML5 <laughs> pop-ups and stuff. And yeah. then you click that one away. And then, well, you scroll the article and then you cannot read it all because you have to sign in or subscribe or, yeah, I don't know, they well. want you to do something before mm-hmm. you can read the rest. And um, I, they lost me at step one. Yeah. And, and and that's definitely that's definitely the challenge of it, right? Um, I don't it's, I don't think there's a perfect. How do you get consent without asking for consent constantly, right? But yeah. but I think but I think it's also people are like, hey, I really want you to sign up for my whatever. And 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 to some extent, I get it. That's your business. That's what you got to do, right? So, 
Yeah, okay, uh, that's okay. But for, for for the larger part, it's just annoying, and nobody yeah. reads it anymore. So it it doesn't get like the goal. It's like are you sure question in in your on your computer? Yeah, like, great. If you get it constantly, you will just hit the button, and you have no clue what you're doing. Yeah, um, it it has no effect, and and that that's kind of the well, we're detracking right now, by the way. <laughs> Holy. So hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what we yeah. do. This is what we do. <laughs> so yeah, but that's uh, that's annoying right now with all the laws. And um, I'm happy with uh, things like Home Assistant uh, to to be able to more in control of that data. And I'm I'm happy to be able to select my devices to be in local control. I love Zigbee yeah. for that reason. I'm not using the the U bridge. I'm not using the um, the IKEA bridge, for example. I use a decon stick. Yeah, I know my 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 light data is local and my control is local. Yeah, and and, and I mean at its most basic, if your internet goes out, it still works. Yeah, right. And then, but on top of that, there's you know, if the service tomorrow decides to decommission itself, or not, it's not going to decommission itself. <laughs> if if whoever's running the service decides to decommission the service. Uh, as we saw earlier, to, uh, we talked about SNPs, and I mean, we've seen it with Logitech, we've seen it with tons of people. Um, yeah, that, that's 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 less of an issue. Yeah. So, uh, anything else on your hit list, Frank? On my hit list? <laughs> yeah, on your list of oh. questions. Questions back for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, the easiest question is if I would build you an add-on, what would it be, right? Like being like the guy who said in the last episode, he is the app store, which made me laugh really hard, by the way. Um, <laughs> that, that's kind of cool. I, I love that. Uh, so if I if I could build you an add-on, like you guys are not using Hasio, I think. You're Phil's Docker. Rowan. I, I use both. My my uh, Zigbee radio is on a on a Hasio Raspberry Pi. Okay, but my main is Docker. So assume uh, in this case, Phil, you're running Hasio. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What what would, what what would you what would you love to see as an add-on? The problem is there are so many add-ons that you've created that whatever I think that I would like as an add-on. You've probably already created it. For example, I'm thinking, like, I'm looking at the containers that I use myself now. And, you know, I've got Grafana and, you know, Sonar, Check. Radar, all that. You've, you've already done it, right? Like, so what's, like, I'm just trying to think, what add-on are you missing? And I don't think you are missing any. And I don't think I have a need for a container <laughs> from you just yet. Okay. So, so, so I think I think I've got one for you. Um, oh, and and. Go. And and it's not it's 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 the integration itself already exists. Uh, I just want easier, nicer, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think is better integration with calendar, so I can actually build my scheduling of doing certain things within the like within like Google Calendar or something like that, and then make exceptions with that. Right. So like like for example, if you know it's a public holiday, great. It'll pull in my local calendar for me here in Toronto, Canada, right? Because we have provincial, certain days might fall certain things and depending on the uh, provincial rule, national rules, whatever, right? Um, for statutory holidays. So based on that, you know, okay, chances are I'm going to be home, blah, blah, blah. So don't run these automations or run these. So so nicer kind of a calendar integration, let's call it. So and, and I know there's iCal support today and I know there's, uh, I believe there's Google Calendar support today as well. Mm, but yes. instead of me having to actually script it all out and do all of that, like a nicer package. I, again, I don't know what that looks like, but... <laughs> 
it's it's like I feel like you're asking for a scheduler. I, I am asking for a scheduler, but based yeah. based on <laughs> based on you know I've, whatever calendar app, right? Okay, not I'm not sure if that's that. going to be. I know there's been being worked on by. Um, I'm not sure who's building it at this point, but I know there's yeah. being worked on um, on a scheduling uh, kind of backend for Home Assistant. So there's coming something there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's useful. So, Rahan, yeah. I do what you're after, basically, with Google Calendar as it is. So, Home Assistant has the Workday sensor, and yeah. you yeah. specify your, you know, your province. And yeah. from there, it will note those, uh, um, you know, public holidays and stuff. I then have, so I use that as one part of a binary sensor. And then another half, I have it look at one of the calendars. And then, for example, if I take holidays, I will just add an all-day event to a calendar that's annual leave. And then the house knows, is it a workday or is it not a workday? And that's basically, mm. you know, the bullying for me. So if it's a week weekend or an annual leave day, they're the, they're the same to me. Yeah. Um, same with the public holiday. So that's how I get around. And then I just have to make sure yeah. that I put in my annual leave in that calendar and away it goes. Yeah, that's fair. And then that way you automate kind of vacation mode and exactly do yeah. all that. Yeah. Okay. So that, that maybe, maybe, maybe scratch that one off your list then, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> no, yeah. okay. But this is more kind of integration level, right? That is not really add-on level add-ons like generally delivered. This is a thing that people often get misconcepted by. Like integrations actually is how Home Assistant integrates with a device or a service online. Devices and mm-hmm. services is the thing that powers Home Assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, but add-ons actually provide services for that. Right. So like a database server would be an add-on, but integrating with a database server would be an integration in Home Assistant. Right. So integrating with your calendar in this case, that would not be an add-on. That would be an integration. An integration, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I think the only other things I can think of are like more SAML based, like just around the login, right? More SAML based or, um, yeah, LDAP, that kind some, of stuff, right? So, some YubiKey support or something. I love my YubiKey. That would actually be fantastic. Mm, yeah. I, I, I live by my YubiKey. Um, and, and if for, for listeners, if you're not familiar with what a YubiKey is, YubiKey is a specific brand of it, but just a hard, like a secure hardware secure token. Um, essentially what it is, is, um, Instead of uh, people, you might be familiar with a one-time password where you start, you know, you type in your six random characters that change every 30 seconds or something like that. That's specifically a time-based one-time password. Um, YubiKey basically kind of, it's it's that second factor of what you have. Uh, so instead of you sitting there, I have this token generator that generates a token. Instead of that, you have a hardware token where you just press it and it just fills it in for you. And it is fantastic yeah i use it for all kinds of stuff logging into servers uh, my gmail facebook whatever i use it everywhere i can use some two-factor authentication actually yeah and and actually even apple has started improving a lot of their uh YubiKey and sec- hardware security token uh support so um our u2f is the industry generic term for it but uh yeah so even because before you weren't able to use it on like captive portals and like that kind of stuff. Now, now you can actually hit the button and it'll actually log into like Google or whatever. Yeah, that would be. Crazy. How about a local yeah. password manager instead of like a, a LastPass, like an Already add-on done. that? Uh, see, 
this is why like everything i think already, already done. done i have uh i have built the bitwarden add-on which allows you to le- run go. bitwarden locally and it's actually pretty nice if you're looking for a local password manager i can definitely recommend bitwarden as a, as a local password manager and there is a there's a fork of the bitwarden server which is called bitwarden rs which is what the add-on implements which is a rust version of the server mm-hmm. which mimics the whole api uh, just is lighter much much lighter you do not need a microsoft mysql a microsoft sql database server for example it uses sqlite in the background so that that one is a lot lighter and that's what's used in the add-on and runs perfectly fine on a raspberry pi for example that's cool yeah i've i've, I've seen i've never seen bitwarden rs but i've seen bitwarden yeah you can uh, just use the bitwarden apps and stuff and bitwarden errors rs is just running on the add-on you do not notice it actually that is very cool that works really well. It was requested, so I, I, I actually thought, okay, let's go, let's try, and I, I build it, and it's kind of nice actually in the end. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 thing that I love the most from all the things I I, I have added is actually the VS Code add-on. I think the Visual Studio mm-hmm. Code add-on. Yeah. Every time I post something off it, like the whole community goes wild, and I think the the, the add-on and and the extension made by by Case, like being able to edit your JAML files from the browser. <laughs> like full Visual Studio Code experience from the HA front ha- front end. I think that one is the greatest we have at this point. I yeah. I have at this point. That one is just really, really, really nice. But guess you guys are missing out at that one since you're not like. Well, I have VS Code. I have the Home Assistant extension, but I mm-hmm. yeah yeah no hassle OS. That means I don't have to use that extension. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm just doing uh, straight up Atom and. Uh, GitHub. <laughs> you should move to VS Code for sure if you're on Atom. Yeah. And use okay. the extension. Absolutely. Case mm, did an sure. amazing job. And it's such such a nice thing. And add the MDI extension uh, for the MDI icon so it will even mm-hmm. complete the icons and oh, can browse through cool. a list and add it. It's really, if you're still on Atom, you're, you're a bit stuck there. Sorry, mate. It's, it's, In, get out of it. <laughs> I, I know you know you know what it is. It, it's it's that it's, it's it's that whole it's the whole like. So, so it's funny. I've actually got I've actually got VS Code downloaded and installed on like two of my laptops. I've never actually done anything with it because because I don't, I don't like even personally like I don't I don't code a ton. I don't do any of that stuff. And if I had to do any of that stuff, it's just quick and whatever. So I I do need to play with it. I've I've been wanting to sit down and play with because because I've seen the extension that you built, right? And I've seen uh, some of the other stuff that that's in vs code as well and and it sounds like everybody's kind of moving to vs code uh but it's just i just yeah i just i just have haven't done it i need well, to i need add-on, to do it and the add-on is amazing and the, the extension made by cases just finishing it off yeah I've, I've been wanting it the extension for so long and i've talked to paulus about it so many times and we put out so many tweets <laughs> and eventually case stood up and case made it and then the add-on was completed as well. And that's awesome. That thing is just, that's my favorite one. Actually. All right. Holiday season. Holiday season. This is my goal. I'm okay, gonna, let's I'm do it. And if you need code. help, if you need help, you know where to find me, right? Done. Done. Okay. All right. Well, Frank, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, thank you for starting to use Home Assistant. Thank you for yeah. all <laughs> your apps you've contributed. Based. Thank you for... I mean, I couldn't even think of an app to get you to work on next year for me. So you've obviously done too many apps. So yeah. Okay. Take take next year off. Um, <laughs> come back to us next That's year, and we'll find out what we can get working for you. But 
yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you for yeah. having me. I enjoy these moments. So thank that's you. just cool. You guys do an amazing job. And I'm looking forward to what you guys are going to bring next year. And, well, to be honest, I hope you guys could put in a couple of more Spotlight episodes. <laughs> oh, so, we, we've been hoping that too, too. So, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> But but I think I think that is that is uh, on our on our New Year's resolutions and uh, I'm go- I'm going to remind you guys. That's right. Do it. Do it. Keep us honest, yeah. please. Do Keep it. us honest. <laughs> Thank you again. Merry Christmas, guys. Yep, and a happy New Year. And a happy new decade. That's right. Happy new decade. <laughs> Cheers. 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 If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io. 